After over a decade and 22 movies, the most ambitious filmmaking experiment, perhaps of all time, has come to an end. Today on Nonproductive, we're talking Avengers Endgame. With an all-star cast of Nonpro's finest, and also some second ringers, I am Frank, and I'm here with Pete, Al, James, Pope, Michelle, Cappy, and Jordy. And we're going to talk the hell out of this damn movie. Full spoilers. After a week of being yelled at on the internet, we are going to go spoilers on this podcast. If you have a problem with that, don't listen to this. Go see Avengers Endgame instead. Yeah. yeah, That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. For us, actually. Let's screw the podcast. Let's let's (laughs) go go watch it again. again. We actually all pretty much all saw it together. We took out at least one row of a movie theater chain that refuses to give us any money, so we're not going to say their name. It was a blast. Like, if we're going to start this off with a review, amazing. I was very surprised by how much they got done in this movie. Yeah. I, it's a legacy. Yeah, this was uh, this was to be the capstone of, as you said, Frank, 22 movies. A right. story told over 11 years and 22 movies. And it was a Herculean task and to do that. And he didn't even show up <clears throat> in the movie. You're right. <laughs> To do that in a satisfying way. And I'm amazed at the degree to which they knocked that out of the park. Yeah, I just, ambitious doesn't even describe it. You said it in the intro, but I just, I don't even think there are words. There's never been anything like this, and I don't really think we'll ever quite get something like this again. Yeah, it'd be hard to imagine anything that was similar to this. Uh, Listen, for those of you who are listening who maybe had a less had different opinions or, or more nuanced opinions and you think you're about to get a bunch of geeks or, uh, you know, spewing love all over the film. We're going to go into a little bit more in depth, but to start mm-hmm. off, we are, we're taking a moment to bask in something that many of us never thought we'd ever see. Uh, 20 years ago, I would not have expected my mother to know who Iron Man is, and she still doesn't, but she kind of gets the concept. (laughs) I remember us all getting together for Avengers, and that being huge, and oh man, this never happened before, it'll never happen again. Absolutely, yeah. Like, and... Just looking back to that and the lead up to that and like everyone crossing their fingers, like Kevin Feige, let's at least get to Avengers. Come on. Yeah. And then like to see it go all this way. It's like, man, like you guys did it. You, 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 there were some really troubles on the way, like but you got there. It should have been a lap at the end where everybody should have been like, yeah, all right, we did it. We made it to the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> in fact, Pete, one of the reasons I want you to be on the first part with me, you and I saw Iron Man in theaters I think, well, but 2000, I can't remember. Eight, 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 eight. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't know <clears> if you recall this, I didn't want to see Iron Man. I was like, eh, I'm not really that interested. Because <laughs> at the time, superhero movies were like, even though we did have some recent successes of Spider-Man and X-Men or whatever, there was also like enough sequels that came out that were a little hit or miss that harkened back on the days of comic book movies being trash. Yeah. And yeah. there was always the looming specter of the Phantom. Yeah, well, I actually kind of like the Phantom, but yes, I agree <laughs> with you. With you, yeah, the, the the idea of something that doesn't quite hit the mark, and certainly that first Easter egg, which was like a joking, like, "Hey, there's an Avengers initiative. We're never going to make any yeah. of these other movies, but it would be funny if we did, right?" I was more blown away by the fact that they got Sam Jackson, who right. they had used as the inspiration for Ultimate Nick Fury. Yeah, in the that comic was more books. impressive than anything. It is an amazing moment uh, in filmmaking. Uh, for better or for worse, I'll say that. I'll give you. I'll throw you a bone. Uh, but uh, what I think is most impressive about Endgame and what I want to talk to the first batch of people about is how this moves the story forward. So let's do a little bit of recapping, not too much, of where we were. At the end of Infinity War, well, Thanos wins, right? Half the mm-hmm. universe is killed off. 
and we don't know where we're going to go. All these heroes that we become attached to are gone. We have no one else to anchor on. At the very end of Infinity War, there's a call out to Captain Marvel, whom we've gotten to know in the last movie. Uh, and then there was a little teaser at the end of Ant-Man, and we know that Scott Lang is trapped in the quantum realm. So that's that kind of sets up where we are. For about a year worth of real-world time, people have been clamoring, I think most of all, to see if we can, quote, beat Thanos. Mm -hmm. What does this story do? I mean, I want to throw this to Al. Literally on our last podcast, he calls this, and it is brilliant. It is done so well. Because I think it leads into what the crux of the rest of the movie is about like beating him like going up there and what they do in the first like five ten minutes of the film is go up there they find him through hooker by crook and then they just get the hollow victory that i was talking about where right. they, they off him and it just doesn't matter like they don't get anything out of it like and it to the point where everyone is dealing with the trauma of what they've lost or their failures and i think that was worth something i think you needed that for the audience to move on if that house is out there just kind of like chilling somewhere yeah. and everyone's just kind of Finagling with his victory lap and with the most powerful tool yeah. in the universe, then yeah. yeah. And, it, and it also gives, like, because if they're out there searching for him, they're wondering, or they're trying this other way, then the audience is thinking, why aren't they searching for him? Why don't they, like, try and get him down or, you know, dog him till he's done? And, like, to have that victory in this, there and have it this over. This hollow victory was exactly what I think the majority of the audience wanted. Yeah. I think you're right. I think most people, mm -hmm. it's all I've heard for the last year, I think, is how are we going to beat Thanos? And, you know, I get it. Beat means different things. Also, undo what Thanos did. But a lot, to a lot of people, it's physically stop Thanos. And they did it right away. Al, yeah. you get a bell. <laughs> yeah. And then I love how it becomes about the problem, right? So a majority... It becomes Avengers retcon. Uh, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the rest of the movie becomes about solving the issue, bringing back what they've lost, right? It's about fixing the work that Thanos has done. Um, and that leads into some really awesome, fun scenarios that oh, yeah. are just a blast, you know? Yeah, and uh, I hate to immediately segue into not a blast, but skipping five years in the audience, everybody gasped because it just hammers in the sadness, the sorrow. This isn't going to be something, even if they hit an undo button, it's not going to fix everything. Literally, it can't. They can't hit the undo button. Why? Because Tony has a precocious little child. Brilliant. I will say, like, while we were in the theater, like, James's wife was next to me. And as it was saying five, she was saying, like, don't say years. Don't say years. <laughs> five years. I was like, like, well, yeah, like, clearly mm -hmm. the, the audience was heartbroken that, like, I guess we're just done. I guess it just happened. Yeah. And it's not just like, I make it clear that the movie doesn't make it so like, oh, this is just, you know, this is just a bigger undo button. There is a genius in there. And there's a couple of things that the movie does that are really good. One, it skips forward so that that tragedy that we felt for the last year is reflected by those characters. Yes. Right. We're going to go through all those characters in a little bit. The other thing is it makes it so that a clean undo is impossible. You can't just say undo because things happened in the last five years. Uh, and in fact, I guess jumping ahead, I'm not even sure if they did. Uh, like, sure, the people who were born in the last five years, but how about all the people who remarried in the last five years? There's going to be some horrible consequences. Yeah, Joe You'll Russo met that nice new guy that he went on a date with. <laughs> Yay! Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that could possibly go wrong. Uh, and then we'll, t we'll talk about consequences and un unanswered questions in a little bit. But the fun thing about this was introducing time travel as a mechanic in this story 
it's not only is it hilarious and fun, but it also allows you to do something like revisit 22 movies worth of history. Because that's another thing this movie is. It's a celebration of all the things we've accomplished as fans of the last decade. It it also does something I think that's really important too, is it does allow us to loop back in Thanos because that hollow victory, while it's important for the flow of the movie, I think it would have been ultimately disappointing for fans if there wasn't some sort of triumph oh, over yeah, the villain, definitely. right? And I think, you know, Thanos is both part of the problem that they create and the problem of the scenario in this concept that I think works really well. I think we all kind of knew that time was going to have a factor in this because of Doctor Strange's knowing wink to the camera. That's not That didn't happen in Infinity War, but I'd like to imagine it did. But we knew time was going to have it involved. But the fact that it wasn't just an undo button, that it was, as, as Scott says, a time heist was brilliant. I'm shocked that it was that significant of a time heist. I kind of thought it was going to be more, oh, let's just go get the time stone. We'll stop Thanos from being Thanos and call it a day. Not, oh, hey, let's go back in time five different places and steal every single Infinity Stone also, then put them all back and also convince the the Ancient One. Oh, by the way, I need this. And her looking at um, it was yeah, Banner, and, Banner that, yeah. and being like, Doctor Strange gave it up. Oh, I must be making a, a mistake. I Here, like that she is a please, fan of Doctor Strange. Please take this. Have you seen Sherlock? It's amazing. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great job. That's great. Uh, yeah, I love that. It's Ocean's Eleven in time. I think uh, the time travel is something that the um, a lot of people do have some nitpicks with, but I think they do a really good job internally of addressing oh, it. So There's, good. And there's a line, particularly when we're right at the beginning of time travel, that Hulk says that's clearly in there from the writers. It's either none of this is a joke or all of it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you can take it as seriously or as not seriously as you want, but we're doing this. I know maybe, okay, realistically, 50% of the people listening to this want us to immediately start dissecting the time loopholes and the issues. We will, I promise you. But, I mean, we maybe say that for the last end of the show, but in my opinion, and we will, again, give you a chance to complain, I'm sure people on this table want to complain, but in my opinion, the movie does a wonderful job of lampshading it immediately. The the two people who want to believe what everyone on the internet has been complaining about, about what about the consequences of time travel, what about, you know, this and that and the other thing, everybody who's making those arguments, it's, it's Scott and it's Rhodey. And they're both referencing Back to the Future, Hot Tub Time Machine. They keep referencing these movies and getting very angry that their belief of how time travel should work doesn't work. The smart people and the space people and the magic people, I guess, um, are all saying that's not how time travel works. The movie addresses it. It says, like, there are no, you can't change the past. That is an established rule. We find out a little bit more later on with the ancient one that there are certain things that can't be flexible, like the existence of the stones at any moment. But for the most part, you can't change the past. So a lot of those questions people have been asking on the internet, I think, are maybe addressed by the talking raccoon. Absolutely. The talking raccoon definitely knows what he's talking about. Rabbit. Bruce Banner 
And the Ancient One just get into this cool, fun conversation that is literally just like looking at the audience like, wink, nod. It's a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> that does <laughs> magic. I love it. He busts out the glasses. He's like, now, excuse me, I'm going to explain to you that what we're saying is really important. And I think it's really important to establish that if the past has changed, it becomes a new timeline. And when you go back and you alter things in that way, you're creating essentially different timelines that won't affect the timeline that you're creating. Right. It and creates multiple realities. Exactly. And she specifically says uh, in her TED Talk, that that's the problem with the stones. Other things, like I don't know if there's an alternate reality where uh, Hawkeye's kid doesn't have his glove, right? But specifically, if you take the stones out, it might create alternate realities. And that's when Banner kind of like negotiates and says, what if we put them back in the same place we found them? Which we might, I mean, we don't know exactly what, what Captain America does at the end of the movie. We'll get to there a little later on. But we have to assume he tries and does it to some extent so there won't be a multiverse until that becomes, you know, narratively interesting. Am I the only one who had a small heart attack when the Ancient One force pushed Bruce Banner yeah. out of the Hulk's body? Yeah. Because I, like, I thought that was look. going to be a very interesting scene. Yeah. It was very interesting, but not the way I thought it was going to be. There's definitely a moment where the two Hulks from that timeline could have fought, and that would have been sweet. Can we also address all of the amazing movie moments we get to kind of revisit because of the time yes. travel mechanic? Yeah. <laughs> so we get to go back to the original Avengers, obviously a monumental feat. We get to go back to Thor 2, which is, you know. <laughs> no, there's Thor a lot of two. people want to clean up a lot of messes in Thor 2. I <laughs> but, think that's fine. But we, we do. We get some nice Thor 2 closure. Where else did we go? We got to punch Peter Quill in the face. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. what everybody wanted, wanted to do since the last movie since anyway. the last movie, yeah. Uh, there, there are moments that aren't necessarily revisits, but are still fun, like the Hail Hydra moment in the theater, which I think maybe, you know, if you're a comic fan, you're like, ooh, if you're just getting the news from comics, you're like, I remember that was something <laughs> that people were really overreacting to, or maybe not. Um, there, there, there's, uh, we got to see Cap's ass and confirm that we got yep. Cap his wish, his old, everybody on their fan list for Captain America was that he had to see his own ass. <laughs> um, we got to see characters who had passed away from Sitwell to, uh, Robert Redford, who probably has a character name, whose name escapes me right now. Pierce, Pierce. I think it was also interesting for all the characters to see each of their own person in another setting. So we see the Hulk very frequently. It was like, oh, wow. Like, that's what I'm like when <laughs> I'm Hulk. I look like and they I'm tell him, maybe you should smash a few things on your way. And he's like, ugh. <laughs> smash. It's very performative, uh, but all right. Yeah. Smash. But then you see him again. Hulk hates stairs. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. Hail Hydra. Oh, that was great. <laughs> I would argue that it wasn't just like a, oh, hey, yeah, to the fans. Like, I feel like it was a double-sided, like, this is a callback because it calls back to Winter Soldier for some very important plot points. Like, it negotiates with us like this, oh, Cap is learning to be more, like, he's learning to be more coy. He's learning yeah. to be clever. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just a, hey, you may have gotten this from, like, a comic book news website or you've read it in the comics or, like, we're lampshading the elevator fight. You've hit the nail on the head. It's saying, like, he is maturing as a character. He's willing to allow evil to go for a couple minutes for the greater good. Uh, maybe foreshadowing what happens later on in the movie. We, we get to have fun with seeing a couple of... Uh, in between moments we didn't get to see in past movies, like the Avengers uh, having to hand over the cube and Hulk having to take the elevator. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it's not it's not yeah it's not all it's not just the fun moments it's as we've already described it's the character building things like seeing uh captain america dealing with hydra in a way that isn't punching it uh seeing how hulk has matured as a character seeing how um seeing thor dealing with the loss of his mother and actually getting a chance to say yeah. goodbye in in the middle of a very goofy thor story and after that moment he kind of starts acting more like Thor should be acting. Right, absolutely. Okay, we're already talking about it, so let's talk about the original Avengers. The Thor, the Captain America, the Black Widow, Hawkeye, Iron Man, Hulk, the guys from the original movie, and how they've changed and grown in this. I love you 3000. Like, I I feel like that sums up Tony so well. Listen, I just for the briefest moment thought you were talking about a character named I Love You 3000. I'm like, (laughs) I don't remember. Is he? It was an operating system made by Stark Industries. He has something he desperately doesn't want to lose and is afraid of like you know bringing everything back and what it could cost him and he takes a lot of time dealing with that and his exchange with pepper is amazing and it's 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 tony dealing with um failure by becoming a better person like he's he's gotten what he wanted he's he's put it all aside and he's become uh, you know a happy person which is a contrast to steve who literally looks himself in the face, like who gets exasperated with himself at a certain point. You know, he says the, uh, I could do this all day long. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. It's interesting that he literally looks at himself and gets annoyed with himself because he's so rigid to start with and he's become, as we were alluding to, like more flexible now. Yeah, he's he's certainly learned to relax a little bit, at least on the surface. Like he's he's helping people in a community center rather than going out and punching things to help people. Very inspired by Falcon, actually, from Winter Soldier. Yeah, absolutely. But there's also a certain level of defeated that he is that that Tony isn't. Yeah, which is very interesting way to see the two characters dealing with their failures. Speaking of failures, oh, no, <laughs> there's Thor, oh, the most defeated. When we see Thor. He's drinking more beer than I ever have in my life. Right. And you're I, quite the celebrated beer drinker. Yes. And he's There's playing, a reason why people haven't heard Cappy on the air for a couple of he's years. He's playing Fortnite. Yeah. Oh, he might as well good. dab and go on a, on a hoverboard yeah. to make me hate him more. Yeah, really. Just, Lebowski uh, Thor was an interesting choice. And you know what? I accept that. I accept that he had to fall because he was at such a high when we saw him last coming off of Thor Ragnarok and into the last movie Infinity War Infinity yeah. War the movie we were talking about before this <laughs> yeah like he was so good in Infinity War that he had to come to a low to go anywhere and I understand that it was just way so low uh, you know what first of all for laughs it was hilarious it was it was really funny it was understandable he has suffered through a lot my first, uh, it was like 20 minutes into this podcast, my first major complaint is I think it lasted a little long. I yeah. think he was on the bench too long wallowing. And I've, at least I thought that at first. I still kind of do. But here's my one exception. Where Banner gets better over time. I mean, like, you know, like Tony, Banner seems to have come to terms with who he is. Uh, Thor could not. And if if Hulk has a couple, if Hulk has a chance to be miserable for a movie or two movies straight, or even like his entire existence in cinema straight, I think Thor can probably have one full movie of being down on himself. So I'll, I'm I'm cautiously giving it to him, but yeah, it was my problem and my big. Obviously, we've said it a million times over. It's because he seems to have gotten so well, so advanced in Ragnarok. Infinity War was such a step back. 
Endgame was sad. Yeah, I think it's it's a little disappointing because we got that whole thing about like we went over this at, at length about like going and getting a better hammer and so on. Right. And but I, what I will say is I think that this was probably the most ambitious thing they did in the entire movie, like more so than what they wound up doing with Tony or with Cap mm. is just like you took your like not just kind of your biggest heartthrob, the guy who took his shirt off the most, like out of all the other guys there. Well, Hulk. <laughs> Hulk, yeah. And you just said like, no, no, fat suit, do it. And th- he doesn't lose it. And that's the big thing I want to say out of that. Like, at no point does he pull a Leodama and, like, do a pull-up and, like, come back shredded. Like, oh, they own that straight into the last fight, though, where he yeah. gets, like, you know, the fun braids when he, you know, summons yeah. his armor. Yeah, He was still a, a, a stout guy, which I appreciated. I yeah. don't think it was done for laughs either. I mean, a little bit, especially when he's playing Fortnite. But, like, at the end, when he's trying his best, he's trying his best. As a big fat guy myself, I do appreciate the fact that we don't just magic away... The uh, the dad bod. Right. <laughs> dad bod. Perfect. Yes. Lebowski dad bod. Uh, speaking of dad bod, the ultimate dad bod. I don't know why I did this. Hulk. <laughs> Hulk. I love what they did with him. I love that they brought. Um, do we have a name? Is I it think Professor Hulk? Hulk. Professor, Professor Hulk. Professor Hulk. Okay. Professor Hulk. Yeah. Uh, That's and the I, usual name I, prescribed for this kind of version of Hulk. I enjoyed that they didn't have to explain it too much. I mean, they said that he's been he was experimenting. He found his. His uh, a balance, the but the, yeah, they did not. Then, they did not like show him experimenting on himself and have to do an entire sequence for it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they were planning it, but they did not do that. I liked it. Yeah, I also like that he just eats a ton now. There's a cute scene where he walks out onto the um, uh, what's it? The uh, the, the the launch pad or yeah, the uh, yeah, the, heli- the Avengers yeah. dropped off Ant Man a, a yeah. taco. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately Scott lost his taco. I was yeah. just like, oh, I've got like 50 of them here. I have one. Like, it's just, he, he's just so like jovial and interesting a character. Like, not that I didn't like Hulk before, but it was just, it was pleasurable. And then following the, the taco instance, he gets in the plane and he has that cutesy little adventure. And I'm like, this is adorable. They got the fun music. Oh, he gets to see Valkyrie. Oh, God, we're sad because of Thor. <laughs> when well, yeah. the, uh, the pickup truck kept bottoming out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a Wes Anderson aspect to him pulling up to New Va- new, uh, Valhalla. New- was it New no, Asgard. New Asgard. Asgard. Well, I don't know why we all went to Valhalla. I guess we assumed he was Because we're heroes. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I love the scene where he says, like, hey, Thor, remember when I was really down? You know, it was someone that pulled me out of that. Exactly. And he was like, was it Nat? No, no, it was you, man. You <laughs> you pulled me out of that. Like, I was in the worst place in my life, and you were there for me. Yeah. I wouldn't be here where I am now if it wasn't for you. As someone who probably had the most problem with Thor, I loved it, but I also was like, come on, don't be on the bench the whole time. It makes it, it makes any sacrifices that happened in the last battle make me feel like it's kind of your fault, Thor, for not <laughs> shaping up earlier. I will say that... If it were the Hulk that was miserable the whole time, I'd be like, yeah, that's part of Hulk. Hulk is miserable. Hulk does not want to be there. Hulk has to be there. So, like, I, you know, got to give it. He he just had a breakdown. It happens. Yeah. He had a breakdown, and it does happen. He had his chat with his mom, which was very good and very empowering, but I don't feel like he snapped out of it immediately after that. No. Like, it's all about him being worthy. The hammer is all about him being worthy. And when he summoned the hammer... Personally, I didn't feel like he was at that moment worthy of it. It, it somewhere inside him he is, but yeah, I it was it was very hard for him to balance the humor in this scene in this moment with the fact that he really wasn't doing much to carry his own weight. I think maybe we 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 skip two characters that are essential. I I just love the fact that uh, Nat and uh, Hawkeye have like a buddy cop moment for like like. like 
three minutes of the movie, just them traveling through space and enjoying the hell out of it. And, you know, obviously it leads up to one of the sadder part of the movie. But it was so much fun watching them have fun in space. They have to set up their relationship because a lot of it's banking on the fact that these two have a relationship. And we've had maybe one movie, two movies. Two, that's it, yeah. Yeah, we'd had Age of Ultron and the Avengers, really, to, to, to develop Hawkeye and Black Widow's friendship and partnership. And I will say, this spends the most time with that character. And I say I really like the Ronin bits. Our cold open is with Hawkeye. Right. Like, that's that's where we start this movie. And I'll be our first time travel is with Hawkeye. Yeah. Like, he does a lot like, or Ronan, whatever one you prefer. Clint, I guess. But, like, and he carries a decent amount of this film. Like, maybe not as much as the, the other heavy hitters here. But at where Black Widow is usually taking center stage in relation to the, a lot of these other characters, he sort of took over that role. Um, I guess hinting at what would eventually happen. But it was, but it was a pleasure to see him there. It was he was really good, and I yeah. I enjoyed that character and that like he had he had lost something, and at no point did I feel like it was essential for the filmmakers because yeah. like we it, it's been a year since we all cried about well maybe not but it's been a year since we all cried about uh, uh, Spider Man uh, Spider Man dying so seeing him slowly realize his family wasn't there was panic inducing for me yeah. And you literally got to have him have, you know, the, the holding the ball moment when he picks up the gauntlet and he runs away from those monsters, yeah, which was, you know, it's nice to give him, like, the, the job for a moment. And it was also nice just to see him kick ass. Because in uh, other movies, we make a point of how human he is compared to these giants. But in the last five years, a lot of these giants have been taking a break. Yeah. And he hasn't. He is sharp. Yeah. He is sharper than Captain America in this movie. He is the Batman of this universe, or maybe the Green Arrow of this universe, but the CW's Green Arrow, which is effectively the Batman of that universe. <laughs> <laughs> There's a flowchart. It'll be on the podcast. And, and th- that's where he's at, and I think you hit it right on the head. Like yeah. It's really like, he's he's very Batman in this, and I really appreciate it. Though. But let's not ignore Black Widow, who has an amazing scene uh, early on when she is keeping earth together yep. she's man she's effectively nick fury she's managing the avengers both in, on domestic and abroad in space and is doing everything she can really somewhat out of character but in keeping with somebody who had to suffer through all that tragedy and just wants her friends back and wants to be able to stop the floodgate i'd argue that it's not out of character i think as a person who always has the capacity to step into situations and take the lead for finding out things doing things like you know first avengers you've got like this scene where she's literally like getting the crap like supposedly beaten out of her and she just takes that runs with that and that's the thing kind of with her character spies aren't just uh you know be led to it it's lead yourself to the best way to get information so it felt natural to me and i think there's this great you were talking about that good scene where she's talking with all the other people and there's that moment when okoye talks about like we had an earthquake and she's like all right what are we doing about this well it's an earthquake we we let it happen like what do you what what are you wanting us what do you want us to do about it we can't stop earthquakes and that that's not how it works and like it's realizing where where her head at is that is that where her head is at in that particular moment is everybody has to be saved. I feel like the reason that uh, she took on the responsibility so much for that is because she needed a reason to keep going. I was thinking about it and I was running it through my head. None of the original cast of the Avengers is actually gone. They all end up making it through pretty much other than like Nick yeah, Fury. And... They effectively just like give up. Yeah. Everyone trying to kind of gives up on everything except for Natasha. Tony goes off and has a kid. Hulk, Bruce Banner is doing science crap. <laughs> Thor's depressed and he's given up. So she kind of is like, well, someone needs to do this. We can't just let everything fall to the sideways. The last just... Avenger. 
I want to bring up one more thing. Uh, we we kind of glanced over it with Iron Man's backstory, uh, but his opening is also incredibly powerful as he is slowly wasting away in the spaceship with Nebula. Just the physicality of that scene, the yeah. reverse Captain America of that scene, as seeing him physically weak was amazing. Uh, the, the, the powerful moments between him and Nebula, him teaching her how to play football. And there's that great scene when table they... Table football. Yeah, table football was great. When they when he comes back and there's that great confrontation with Steve... Yeah. That's just like... The end of the argument from, from, from basically uh, from Ultron and from Civil War. Yeah. Yeah, just carrying it's it over. Like, it's like you said we failed. Well, we failed. We did it together, didn't we, Steve? It's great. Like, look at us. Like, oh. And he literally is like, fix this, then it collapses on the ground and ends the argument because you can't argue with him after that. Well, you probably could, but only he would argue with himself after that. Uh, speaking of... Of Nebula and a bunch of the new Avengers. Uh, we have a lot of new characters we spend a lot of time with in this movie. I want to talk about Ant-Man real quick. Poor <laughs> Paul Rudd coming down and being like, what is going on? What year is it, kid? And the kid's like, who are you? Bye. Oh, Jaden. <laughs> How old uh, do you think that kid was? Probably like eight. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah. That means he was a three-year-old. He, three. he survived it, wow. the vanishing, the, yeah. um, the tombstones of the vanished. That was pretty moving to see oh. that. Uh, I didn't really expect there to for him to play as big of a role. He pretty much had to teach everyone about. Yeah, he was know, essential. Yeah, he, he was, was very essential. essential. And I'm really glad I watched Ant-Man and the Wasp. The same day. <laughs> yeah, the, the only it things was very important. The only things I said that were even mildly spoilerish to people was like, watch Infinity War, watch the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Just the end. Uh, you don't need to see Captain any Marvel. <laughs> just yeah, because you need to know she exists. I will say, I think Scott is the heart of this movie. Yeah. I oh, think yeah. he definitely carries a lot of the emotion of, as everyone feels so out of it uh, in the beginning, and he's jonesing. He's, like, been gone for five hours, knows, knows everybody's gone. He's like, oh, we got to do something. Let's do it. He's from a different era where people still wanted to fight. Yeah, yeah. that's literally true. I'd say, to a degree, I agree with you. I think he's the heart of what was, and I think Tony is the heart of what is. Like, mm. you know, comparatively, because he's found life and meaning in this new world, where a lot of people are so broken and destroyed. I'd say Natasha kind of sits on that field of, like, I'm destroyed, but I'm finding heart. But Scott, like, has this special thing that, like, seeing the moment where his daughter survived, yeah. that was incredibly powerful. I was really blown away by it. So I think that he definitely is a heart of it. I think Scott is just so happy to just be involved in everything. <laughs> he he's, really like, he's at, like, the there. door of the, of the yes, headquarters. Cap. He's like, anything for you, Cap. Um, Hi, uh, it's Scott. We met before. Um, and they're like, who is this guy again? Oh, he's the one that gets tiny, right? Uh, you're not so big now, are you? No, well, they actually did respect him a little bit a more little than bit that. A little bit more, but it was still... It was What's up, regular size man? Yeah. <laughs> I would absolutely love to see... I guess, uh, really, uh, um, uh, War Machine and Ant-Man going to like a convention together, <laughs> or like a sci-fi movie convention. But actually, originally, I was going to say um, I'd like to see Scott and Phil Coulson at a Captain America con, just talking about how much they love Captain oh America. Yeah. Uh, all right, but back to my transition, my almost seamless transition. Uh, War Machine. Rhodey was, I mean, I the character, people like him. He's had a good time in some of the movies, but it's always a bit part. Here, I think he is carrying a lot. I think he does a lot to move the story forward In that isn't just misery. That isn't just the misery of Captain America and Iron Man. I think he translates a lot of the characters to other characters, as weird yeah. as that sounds. He's very much a go-between between a lot of people. He translates the sci-fi knowledge of 
Scott to uh, Banner Hulk or uh, Professor Hulk. And back the other way. And back, yeah. yeah, like he, like where Scott's kind of like, but back to the future. And he's like, yeah, back to the future. And then Hulk explains it. And then he has to go back to Scott and be like, okay, well, this is why it doesn't work. Scott. Makes perfect sense. He's a military person, but he has, he has some super science background, but he's not one of these billionaires. I think he's like an engineer. I think it's like geniuses. A, yeah. Same thing with Rocket, who's got this very like, you know, low to the ground sensibility, but is also, do not, don't drum roll that, uh, but is also like, you know, a space rodent. He, he knows lots of stuff. Yeah. There's that great scene with uh, Rhodey and Nebula in mm. space where they're like, I didn't used to always be like this. And he's like, yeah, me neither. Oh, like, it's just kind of like, so good. yeah, it, it was really a good scene. It's very touching. Nebula is an amazing character. She Both grows so much. Oh, my God. I like From a character, I'm like, why did they get Karen Gillian for this? And then suddenly I'm like, oh, she's amazing. I think that Nebula is just a perfect example of like, so this has kind of happened before where I think a lot of women in Marvel kind of start off written in this way that kind of perturbs me. And when I saw Nebula's growth in this film, I was so just like enamored with her. She went from a character that I was annoyed with every time she came on its screen in her original movies. I was like, oh my God, it's her again. Now I was like, what she does is powerful. Her growth is powerful and she's so significant in this film. I really feel like watching her grow, I would be interested in seeing movies that primarily feature her. I think Nebula's role in this film is so important because after the death of Gamora in Infinity War, we really don't have anyone with a personal connection to Thanos. Everyone is affected by Thanos, but Nebula knows the horror of Thanos at the heart of it by being abused by him, by having to carry this weight of what her father, you know, adoptive father has done. Narratively, she's important, but also from uh, an emotional perspective. You're right. If, 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 she didn't work in this film, I think the film wouldn't work as well. I really do. I was really nervous throughout the whole arc of her when they go back in time and Thanos realizes, oh, like, someone's here. And mm-hmm. it's another Nebula. And you see past Nebula and current Nebula, like, start to go at it. And you can't stop but wonder, did current time Nebula realize this would happen? Is she going to turn on everyone? And that was what was going through my head. That when she was, was going to do a heel that turn. That she was going to do a heel um, turn, and I was—I'm really happy she didn't. Yeah. That and was, I was so scared when they when they kill past life. Nebula. Nebula. Yeah. I was like, well, how does react? Uh, and we'll like, get into we'll the time travel thing anyway, in a minute. I was so scared. I'm like, wait, they killed the old one, right? Not the new one. <laughs> Which I like one? The, I like. Let the me new see one. your hands. <laughs> I really think that there's a great scene when she, do, like what she was talking about, where she shoots her past self. And there's that moment like where you can tell that the younger one does want to live her own life, be like this older version that, you know, she could aspire to be. But she just doesn't believe like there's just like he wouldn't let me. Like, I don't know how you did it, but I could yeah, never do it. She did not experience the character growth that the yeah, other one did. Yeah, she couldn't accept what she could actually become. Yeah. And yeah. even Gamora is, like, realizing, oh, wait, like, we don't have to do this. Let's mm. let's go with them. We can leave that as a nobody's like, no, I can never do it. I can never not be who I am. So I have two more uh, new Avengers I'd like to talk about very briefly. Okoye, who doesn't have a lot to do in this movie, but does one cool thing in that establishes that Black Panther in the Black Panther universe is now part of, it's within our world. That They are a major player within the Avengers. Yep. Right? The, the, if it wasn't for the, um, the rest of Wakanda, that the world might be in a much worse place right now. It's a minor amount of work that is done in terms of the narrative, but it's important when you consider what little things possibly almost nothing or maybe a ton of things this movie does to set up future movies 
We haven't really talked about that. This movie may either, it either sets up future movies in a great scale because of things that are going on with the cosmic multiverse or does almost nothing. We don't know yet. Nope. We haven't, we haven't gotten enough titles to come out. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end when we talk about our big unanswered questions. But the other character, of course, is Captain Marvel, who we were told would have a major impact in this battle with Thanos. Definitely. I was feeling exactly the same way during the movie. I'm like, why isn't Marvel going back in time with them? And though eventually I came to terms with it because I realized what they were doing. It did feel kind of a little let down that it's like, okay, so they're expecting us to have seen the ending cut scene of Captain Marvel to like, that's how she met everybody. And that's how she's, you know, integrated into the universe. I felt like the way, the only part of the film that I felt was kind of sloppy is how they just kind of say, okay, you know, she's here now. And you know she's met them. And I'm like, I, I don't really feel like they gave enough of that. They actually almost did none of that, really, in, in the movie itself. Yeah, I am disappointed that we didn't get more of a, of a plot dump on, hey, this is the situation. Can you go get Tony for us? Um, I'm okay without it. I'm, I'm, I can put that together in my he- head, and I'm okay. If a, if a movie will let me figure things out on my own, I'm all right with that. You don't have to piecemeal everything to me. I'm all right. Um, but I will also say, like, I like that she wasn't always in on, on the movie all the time when because I mean, when she did show up all that more meaningful yeah and i, I also like that it was like they had a reason for it which she says like hey uh i can't be here this month because i have universe stuff yeah. to do and not Things every planet has you guys or, or everywhere else yeah, yeah i think the movie would have been too simple if it was like oh hey captain marvel's here now and she's just gonna like kill everyone everything's good however i feel like she did kind of put the motivation back into the uh you know the soul avengers that it's like oh well okay something's so, possible so like thanos did this okay let's go kill him yeah because all of them <laughs> were just kind of sitting around like mopey mopey wah wah and she's like let's just go kill the guy okay like let's go i have some, maybe my second controversial thing to bring up on this um i actually like the way they handled captain marvel in this full stop i so thor is super powerful I know why they kind of sidelined him. Yeah. There's some narrative reasons as well, because maybe this isn't his lead story. You know, it's it's really about Captain America and Iron, Iron, Man. Iron Man, perhaps, what, whatever it happens to be. Um, Captain Marvel is also super powerful, but relatively new. So in the, you've got a movie that just came out in the interim, right? Still in theaters at the time Endgame is out. And personally, I feel like expecting people to care a lot about a character that has had a few months in theaters versus characters that have had arguably, you know, around 11 years. Some of them have as many as a decade of time in the movies. I think it makes more sense for this to be Iron Man and Captain America's graceful bow out. But since Captain America, Captain Marvel is an important character, bring her in, have her kick all the ass when she does come in. That way, in 10 years, when maybe Captain Marvel gets a bow out, it'll be her big narrative arc. That's my take on it. I know it may not be everybody's, but I, I enjoyed it. And like Al said, yeah. when the missiles came in, when the entirety of Thanos' forces had to be directed at her, when she gets headbutted, <laughs> and I was like, no, that was cool. But I, I don't mind waiting to for the payoff of... You know, in the same way that I didn't think the whole Avengers movie should revolve around Mark Ruffalo's Hulk. Yeah. Because he was like, this was his intro. You know, I, it doesn't need to be all Hulk all the time. Give him a couple of cool moments. Give him a couple of puny gods. Gave her a puny god moment with a headbutt. But then afterwards, yeah, make it something else. And I'm looking forward to those movies because of that. Because how much I enjoyed her in this film, even more so than her, in her solo outing, actually. 
Um, like, not that I didn't love that movie, I did, but I really like the haircut was great. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Ooh, pro haircut. Yeah, yeah. pro haircut. Yeah, haircut. The haircut was by far my favorite. Approved. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing because we're gonna get Avengers movies after this, and we're gonna get like Black Panther, Captain Marvel, probably some of the other remaining uh, characters that are still Another around. Scarlet Witch is gonna be there probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, this is gonna be the wrap up for our classic Avenger characters. Most of the major things that happen are gonna happen to them. And the first character who had a major thing happen to them is Black Widow. So Black Widow was always an interesting character because as soon as she appeared in Iron Man 2, I was like, okay, we've got Lady who can beat things up. And ever since then, I've been trying really hard to really relate to her and kind of see things for her. And it actually took me a while. But I wasn't expecting them to kill her. And I was I was expecting as soon as we got to Vormir, okay, they're going to fight over who's going to jump it off. But I really believed that Clint was going to be the one. Yeah, they. I, to me, it felt like they were building up for, for Clint to do the jumping, which, I mean, I guess he did, but, like, him to make the ultimate sacrifice. So the moment that he, like, fails the jump, like, he jumps and she literally, like, like cements him to that wall, that was a moment that I was just so overcome. And I was like, this is such a full character arc for her because she came from a character whose entire purpose was to kill people thoughtlessly to dying herself to save people. And I felt like that was full circle for her. I'm uh, incredibly conflicted about this section of the movie. Um, I actually, I really like the idea that Black Widow kind of gets to sacrifice herself uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I think it does narratively make sense. I think it's, um, you know, something that uh, many of our other, you know, male heroes in the other movies have kind of all had the chance to do the big sacrifice thing, even mm-hmm. though they, they haven't necessarily, you know, truly sacrificed themselves. They've found their way out of it or whatever. Um, I think the buildup to it was very difficult. Maybe just a little bit too many one-two punches back and forth that kind of broke the tension. But I think the thing that bothers me the most is in a movie that's really supposed to be out about the original Avengers, this happens almost halfway through. We have an entire half of a movie without Black Widow. And it feels like a tough, it just feels like a tough swan song for her. Mm. You know what I mean? Particularly when later on in the movie, we're going to have to focus so much on the loss of, you know, we, we get, the yeah. ending will get to be about the loss of Tony, right? At Tony's funeral, about Captain America time traveling. I feel like at the same time as it being is important, I also think it's kind of a disservice. So I can definitely see the merit in that. The, um, the one thing that really happened for me is when I was watching the movie on its own, I was like, I can come to terms with that. What actually ended up hurting it for me was when the screenwriters went to write an article and they were like, we're going to answer every question. And the line that cut me and made me realize I maybe am not as okay with this as I think is they said the line, if you get her back, you have to give up the stone. And since the end of the movie, they have to give up the stone, I immediately felt this twin, twinge of you should never have said that because I came to term with her death and how they mm. did it. And now I feel like they've robbed it because she gave up, they gave up the stone at the end. just want to ask, should they have actually gotten the stone with, uh, with Natasha jumping off the cliff? Because it's uh, why? Because the point and... is that the person who gets the stone has to give something up, something that they love. Yeah, and I think Hawkeye and, loves Black Widow. Yeah, but he didn't give give her up. Mm. She chose to jump. So, it wasn't his... He, he didn't sacrifice anything. So hard, yes. Something bad happened to him. But. Hard, yes, that this was absolutely the com- confirmation of that. In the beginning of the movie, we poignantly watch 
him lose everything that he loves. The last person that he loves that we've seen throughout all the movies, that we've seen their close relationship with, it has absolutely been Black Widow. Yeah, and I think Pete's saying that it's he didn't give her up, not that he didn't love her. Um, I, I would say that there is a certain level of having to give up. Uh, I think we're splitting hairs about whether... You know, he had any agency and whether and what the rules mm. are. Personally, I personally believe that Red Skull is just screwing with everybody. <laughs> they keep throwing themselves off. It's just down there. They could just, they could just uh, float down there. I'm a Nazi. Don't listen to me. Um, don't sample that, by the way, people at home. I did a voice. You can't tie it to me. My point is, I think it's I think it is a powerful scene. I do like that she has the agency to do what she wants. To answer Jordy's point. I I put a big asterisk on anything that isn't in the original source material. Like I love creators; they're wonderful people. You cannot tell me how I interpret your work. You give me some ideas, that's cool, whatever. But I'm not listening to you. Especially they're not even in on the next movie potentially. So like, who knows? And they don't really know either. They try to build a really good narrative, and I think they'd be the first people to say, "Yeah, absolutely, fill in your own blanks. This is cool." Some of them in that same article I read is like, "Would it be cool if Captain America did some stuff?" I guess, yeah. They're not like they're not. This is. It's not like there's a truth out there that they're researching. It's just what they built for the story. One of the things that, to answer James's point, is I don't... So my next controversial thing is it's hard for me to divorce what I know about the outside of the world with what was going on in the film. So I'm watching this. I see Black Widow sacrificing herself. And all I can remember is the only other movie that whose title, one of the few whose title we know is coming, is Black Widow, which was only announced recently, like right before Endgame. So, like, this was intentional to sort of say, yeah, we're, we got an idea. So, to, on Jordy's point, like, will Black Widow stay dead? Is that robbing it? As a comic book fan who has rallied against the death of comic book characters for years for being cheap and then totally ate my own words in the last 10 things we read on Near Mint, <laughs> where, where the death of uh, Daredevil, the death of Spider-Man, the death of uh, Johnny Storm, all these produced amazing stories i'm okay with it i don't think it's that cheap and i think it happens in a good in a three-hour movie happening right in the middle is like the end of the first or third climax of the film whatever <laughs> pick your climax frank ah uh, that you could sample <laughs> that you can sample yes the one last thing i did want to say about it is i thought it was a very powerful roundabout from infinity war where a woman loses her agency and is thrown over by someone who takes advantage and abuses her to a woman who, with all of her power and her might, wants to get her family back. That right. was a beautiful full circle. I, I'm, I'm deep into it. I was, like James, a little... Uh, for me, I was freaked out when I saw the body. I was like, this feels a little gratuitous, but you've convinced me. Well, actually, uh, during one version of the script, Hawkeye was supposed to die. They were planning on the Hawkeye dying, and visual effects producer Jane Underhall... Mm -hmm. uh, refused. She said, do not take this away from Black Widow. This is her thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then they asked, well, how are they going to have a movie after this if she's dead? And they said that the focus on that movie is going to be in her involvement in the creating of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. which will, in hindsight, reflect as why she took over S.H.I.E.L.D. in this movie and took a leadership position. And kind of going back to what I had said before, and, it, and it, uh, it ties in nicely with what AJ was saying, is a Black Widow didn't really have a lot to live for outside of the Avengers. 
Not that that's not worth living for, but she saw Clint's family as being, you know, more valuable to him than her purpose in the Avengers is to her. And I feel like she finally felt that, yes, this is what I need to do for my family so they can all have their families back. And it really hits home when they're all back on Earth and they're saying, like, did she have any family? Should we contact anyone? We were her family, Tony. Ring that home and it's sad. And I'm not all too broken up over the fact that her as a character is gone. I think she served her purpose, just like how Tony (laughs) did and Captain America did, where it's like, yeah, it's unfortunate that her timeline is cut a little bit short, but we're going to have our great, you know, prequel movie that everyone's going to be happy about. So yeah, Natasha makes her sacrifice and we've got all the uh, Infinity Gems and uh, Hulk does the snap. That I that's amazing to me. Hulk has the Infinity Gauntlet and he's like, Banner's like, I got this. Sort yeah. Of. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> and just in their moment of triumph, when they realize that Clint's getting a call from his wife, it looks like everything's back. Thanos shows up. Thanos from the past, who is now Pastos. in the future. Yeah. Pastos. Shows up and bombs the oh bejeebus out of... Uh, I really thought we lost Ant-Man. It looked like he was gone in that moment. I thought everybody was gone, but... People manage to make their way out. Hawkeye has his his big I found the gauntlet moment, starts running through the tunnels. And in the meantime, we've got the big three, Marvel's Holy Trinity, Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man facing off with Thanos. Yeah, this is the dream battle comic book fans have been waiting for. Even though we, I mean, we got kind some of it in 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 Infinity War. I mean, I, I would argue that the dream battle is involves Adam Warlock, but no nope. comic book fans disagree strongly <laughs> on that. First off, it was choreographed beautifully. If we're talking just about the three on one battle, oh yeah, the way that uh, the way that they each fought each other was absolutely breathtaking in terms of how they did it. Uh, And, of course, we can't mention this without mentioning the moment of greatness when Captain America can pick up Thor's hammer and wield his lightning. When I saw that, everybody keeps going to the Captain America hammer moment as if it wasn't the most amazing thing that has ever happened to me personally. (laughs) When I saw the hammer twitch, I'm like, oh. And, like, since at least Age of Ultron, everybody has been like, oh, twitching hammer. Twitching hammer might be a syndrome. You better look it up in the DSM-6. Wait for it. It's going to get there. I want to give a little bit of love because it it always gets overshadowed by, and I think it always will get overshadowed by by Captain America picking up the hammer. Yeah. But Thor's moment of dual wielding. Oh, dual wielding was was amazing. You're right. You're right. For about, about, uh, I'm going to say three, four minutes there. That was possibly the coolest thing i've seen on film yeah there was also that moment where i think captain was going for the bigger battle axe or whatever and he's like no no you get the little one (laughs) (laughs) the moment the lightning strikes thor and he's like fat viking and it's magic yeah yeah so, uh, so I guess we can now get to, like I said, we always, we're, we're, we're fast to the Captain America wielding Iron Man's hammer. But it is really awesome. It is, it's the best part of, of fan service, right? Fan mm-hmm. service can be a pejorative. We can also claim it back, whatever. But the point is, it's something we really want to, all of us, including Thor, wanted to see it. Thor was like, I knew it. And I was saying, I knew it. And we were both chubby. And it was amazing. <laughs> but our glorious chubbiness, we were just happy to see Chris Evans. It wasn't even Captain America. Just beating the hell out of him. It was beautiful. And the, you know, the, the fighting was um, pristine. 
And the fact that the vi- the heroes still got their butts kicked was really powerful. Yeah. Which definitely watching them all take on Thanos. But I will say the, the difference in this scene and when we have Age of Ultron, um, not Age of Ultron, obviously when we had Infinity War, it felt much more hopeless. Watching the fight with all three of them versus Thanos, there were definitely more ups than there were in Infinity War where it felt like everything was a complete beat down. Everything was completely like, we cannot fight this person. They are more powerful than us. You know, here we had moments where they knocked him down. Right. They actually hurt him and he couldn't make that blood comment this time. Yeah, and, f- <laughs> and fair enough because this is a, uh, this is a thing Thanos not armed with any Infinity Gems. So the fact that he actually held his own as long as he did says a lot. Uh, It was an amazing moment, but it was still a moment that ended in tragedy because no matter what, Thanos is inevitable. And this is where you get the lead in of Cap staring down the entirety of Thanos' army and you think tragedy is going to strike. And the entire time I'm like sitting there clenching. I'm like, please don't, please don't, please don't. That's another place. Like as much as I don't, I don't want the outside world to influence me. But there's a w- and they, mara- they wonderfully play with it because I know Black Widow has a movie coming out. And for some reason, that death in the middle is a little thing. I also know Chris Evans has been a little bit like I've had fun with this character for so long. It's over now, more or less. I know his contract seems to be up. I, I, we all kind of felt. Captain America, Iron Man were on the chopping block. So anytime it looked like they could die, I was like, they could die. And I don't normally feel that in a superhero movie. And then you get that epic war scene and the radio static. On your left. All those intros are amazing. I mean, just at at least particularly in our theater when we were an entire row of people, every time a new person showed up, people cheered. Can I just say, I, I missed the on the left line. (laughs) <laughs> that was that, that was what he said. I knew that uh, th- that Falcon said something uh, that it was Falcon, over there. It was on the left. That it was on the left. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked by the number of characters. Like when Black Panther and his entourage showed up, amazing. Falcon and his entourage, amazing. Ant Man, including some of the elder statesmen and Ant Man, show up, amazing. All these like little ancillary characters I did not think would be there. Amazing. And the one-off line, Dr. Strange is like, is that everyone? He's like, you want more from Wong? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hear that line. There was too much laughter and cheering at that point. Okay, I do have to say that the Scarlet Witch exchange of you took everything from me. I don't even know who you are. You will. (laughs) That was was it. That was good. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were talking about this in Infinity War back when we reviewed it about how not every movie needs to be bring all the characters in, but man, was this the movie to do it. Yeah, it was 100%. This was this might as well have been like a, a decade of MCU movies on parade. It may as well have been like <laughs> a special on, on, on network television where people just came by and waved for the camera. <laughs> Some of them just showed up, punched someone in the mouth and left. They had a girl power moment that everybody got together like, hey, we're all here and we're all women. That's pretty cool. High five, killed a bunch of people and then kept going amazing there's so many great little scenes in there like we went over the captain marvel appearance which was great uh, there's the uh uh pepper saving tony like there was the iron man like uh, like standoff like they all the Ironmans. yeah like yeah. it was <laughs> it was really good ah and don't forget the the ultimate moment of fan service where you know cap gets the avengers assemble I we do finally get lost it. my voice screaming <laughs> at the screen because I was waiting so long, not 
22 movies, not 11 years. I was waiting my entire adult life for that moment. And when it happened, I could see through time and I knew how the movie was going to end. I completely <laughs> forgot that that hadn't been said before. Oh, yeah. No. Because they, they, they teased really it so weird. successfully so long. It and they good. used it in the marketing so often. Yeah. I forgot it was never said in the movies. I, I feel never. like they've picked the perfect moment to use oh, it, though. Absolutely. They really Oh, did. yeah. And that's kind of where I started crying throughout the rest of the movie. Like I was just hearing the entire time. This part of the movie, I mean, the whole movie does a great job of managing fan expectations and lampshading things that it should lampshade and pushing forward on storylines that are complicated and necessary to move the narrative. This part of the movie is pure delight in everything. When, the, when suddenly the ship stops firing down and starts firing up because the Captain Marvel shows up, Amazing. Her surviving a headbutt? Amazing. Thanos taking out the power stone to punch her against the wall? Amazing. All of it is like pure comic book fandom candy. It was, but like also good. I don't think it was just like gratuitous fan wank. And there's all these callbacks to like uh, uh, earlier films. Like there's the, um, like when Black Panther says Clint and he throws him the, uh, the gauntlet back because like, it's like, Hey, my name's Clint. And back in civil war, like, I don't care. It's like, Oh, you care now, buddy. Apparently <laughs> like, there's like all these like really great little moments and it all works. There's that great exchange of the gauntlet. And like, we get to see uh, Captain Marvel shows up to, I love this exchange. I don't know why Captain Marvel shows up to Peter Parker. And he's like, Hey, how you doing? Like uh, Peter Parker. It's like, Hey, hey, Peter Parker, you got something for me? Just again over the gauntlet to Captain Marvel. There's just so much good in there. Like, just random dumb scenes that are all callbacks and fan I'm not sure about that. Awesome. Let's see. We're, Captain Marvel's like, hey, Peter Parker, got something for me? I'm like, what is this? <laughs> no, that's what not what I'm trying to do. I'm not, I'm not even saying there was anything inappropriate. I was just like, what's going on here? There's a war. <laughs> Speed it up. I just want to give a little credit to, I believe, probably an unsung hero of this part of the movie is Wong. Wong! Because Wizards. if it wasn't for him, well, they'd have all been destroyed they, by the they missiles. They all would have just been random places. Peter Parker still would have been in space. Everyone else would have been in Wakanda where they yes. all disappeared. Oh, God. So if Wong wasn't there to teleport everyone many, into the battle. How many role playing games have I run where I'm like, I wish I had a Wong? And don't yeah. everybody, why does everyone have a Wong? And all of, the, all of the magicians, they're not, what's the name? Sorcerers? Sorcerers? Sorcerers. Sorcerers. All the sorcerers, when they're bringing down all the bombs and stuff, um, the shields. They're able to shield everybody. But Thanos's fodder just keeps getting killed, you know. <laughs> so well, that's a, well there's always sense. more fodder. <laughs> that's true. Would it be your back? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, would it so. be a Marvel movie without uh, <laughs> some more fodder? Infinite fodder. You know, the the ultimate pin on the end of this though is like where Doctor Strange turns to Tony Stark and functionally winks at the camera, where it's like, yeah, this that is one it. finger. Yeah. yeah. So I do have one nitpick with this large battle, and it does kind of tie back into some discussions we've had here on the network about this and about spoilers. Most of the characters in this scene aren't acting with other characters. They're acting alone, and they do not know who they're acting with. Mm. And that's not that's pretty much across the board outside of, you know, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, and... Um, Benedict Cumberbatch for some reason, but it's written into his contract that if he doesn't get a full script, he won't do the movie. Really? Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Smart but, man. Um, and he's really good at hiding things and keeping uh, other Tom people. Holland in line? <laughs> yes. So um, fine with it. But it does feel, you know, in this, this age of, you know, this huge spoiler culture, I feel like it does take a little bit away from the movie. I think, actually, Al, you brought up a scene that bothers me. And Frank, I knew you were joking about it. Yeah. The- but... 
literally Brie Larson and Tom Holland do not know they're acting together in that scene. They do oh. not even know who they are talking to. She doesn't know she's talking to Spider-Man. He doesn't know she's he's talking to Captain Marvel. Oh, that's and I upsetting. think it, it shows in some of these a little bit more awkward interactions. And I, I just wonder if we maybe, you know, it, it's really, it is thankfully buried in a scene this massive. Yeah, but, if you're going to have it anywhere, this would be where to have it. But, but. it's just, you know... I, I'm I'm worried with a thing like this. Like, if we just gone a little bit too far, you know, where like our mm. actors keep, don't even have the opportunity to, you know, act and get to know their characters, particularly in like Brie Larson's case. Well, this maybe not film. Tom Holland. But We've got, maybe yeah, not well, Tom. No, but he should definitely be put in a Skinner box for the entire. <laughs> production. Particu- but particularly Brie Larson, who at this point hasn't shot Captain Marvel, so with no background on who she's interacting with or on her own character mm. outside of, you know, probably some source material she's had to read, you know, maybe that's why we get some of the comments of, well, she doesn't seem like she does in Captain Marvel. I think super valid point, James, and I never would have thought of it. I thought it was kind of funny that Mark Ruffalo did not have a full script and he still accidentally spoiled things. <laughs> <laughs> what did he spoil? He's like, Infinity they War. gave me so many different scripts. I don't even know what the right ending is. In one, Cap gets married. Oh, wow. He said that on a talk show. Well, as Pope was saying before we went off on our our tangent, it all wraps up into that one moment where Strange has his finger up. Can't quite tell him. Can't tell Iron Man what's up. But we I think we all kind of know Uh, in the big gamble that comic book fans have when they bet on who ends up having the Infinity Gauntlet. uh, It's always interesting when Iron Man gets it. And this was no different. It is a it was it was a powerful, meaningful bookend moment. Down to the I am inevitable, no I am Iron Man. I mean, it's a it, it it was like a fun little line at the end of the first Iron Man movie. It was a wonderful reference. I, I, I think I, I couldn't imagine it have gone better, except for one way. Which I will tell you at the very end of this podcast. Oh. But let us uh, let's talk about Iron Man and what he did for us. Someone who actually like I've been a big fan of Iron Man even in the comics prior to getting the first movie to see the growth of Iron Man over these you know eleven years you know and it's really brought home in this movie that he's just he really does take you know obviously ending in this one final selfless action you know that he's just not. It's just not the same person anymore. And it it really I think it's the the first moment in the movie that I think really got me, you know, like where I was really crying, you know, is that Tony really getting to rest. You know, it it's been his entire time trying to make up for the sins and the damages and all of the kind of stuff, you know, he felt he was responsible for in Iron Man and then kind of compounding from there. You know, to actually get to save everyone means so much. And this may be a little too like meta, but the fact that he just did what he had to do, and as far as we know, it doesn't seem like he he put a iron suit around the world afterwards. He did not undo all the damage his family's business did in warfare throughout the world. As far as we know, like there there is a certain maturity in Iron Man in that in that moment. Again, I might just be like projecting a lot of emotional feelings to this scene, but. I think it's earned. It's a decade of your life with these characters. I also think that the way he just goes out is wonderfully poetic, where um, Spider-Man has him and he's like, hey, we did it. We did it, Mr. Stark. And he's just gone. Like, he's 
he's dying and there's not much left after the snap is done. And Pepper's uh, – you could see him fighting, trying to stay there. And it's not until Pepper shows up and just says, you did it. You saved everyone. You can rest now. It's like it's it's over. And he needs it because he just – he passes away at that point. And he has been exhausted since at least the Avengers. Yeah. Right? The end of the Avengers and you know, Iron Man 3 and pretty much everything since then has been his fine line with nervous breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to be too popular here. Okay. I, I did not like his death. Oh, yeah? I did not think it was necessary or even really earned. I don't think. Ooh. The I necessary I can debate, for but one thing, I can't. For one thing, I don't think he did deserve to rest yet. Because I think in the time since Avengers, he screwed up way more than he fixed. <laughs> <laughs> you need to clean this up, sir. Uh... And I, I think that for someone who is as smart as he's supposed to be, that he should have been able to figure out a way to not die, to, to fix this and not die. I guess. I feel like there's always something about making a, a decision in the moment that even if you're the smartest guy in the world, it's, it's kind of hard to, to always think that many steps ahead. I, I agree. I just, I just think that it was, oh, I hate to say it. I almost feel like it was lazy writing because this is this is an easy emotional gut punch. It's an easy way to get to writing Robert Downey Jr. out of your franchise due to contractual reasons. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean by that. I, 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 I'll go ahead and say like, well, I don't necessarily agree with the lazy writing aspect of it. It is very convenient. I think that's. Probably a little bit more correct. That might be more like what yeah. I'm I don't thinking. think it was lazy. It was just very. It was all very convenient, and not that they didn't write themselves to that convenient place uh, ineffectually. They wrote very effectually, as far as I'm concerned. But as and I will agree with Pete. Pete has a great point when he says, "I don't know if you earned that." I'm like, I felt it. I felt I was there. I was like, "Oh man, Tony, head out. You you got it, man." In the movie and in the moment. But yeah, if you think about it for more than a second, it's like, did you? You know, when you really think about it. <laughs> yeah, he Hold did. On a second here. <laughs> Absolutely, he did. I don't. I I feel like. You can write fiction with superpowered individuals so that they can undo anything, right? You can he is a super genius, that's his superpower. He can figure out a way out of this. Absolutely, it's true. But like when you're writing a story for a purpose, writing with purpose isn't writing lazily or writing conveniently. You're writing for a goal. You're saying I want a bookend. At some point, probably arbitrarily within the last decade. They were like, we want this to be a story. And it's and part of the story is going to be, can superheroics make a difference? And, uh, and the discovery of the idea of superheroics, at least in terms of filmmaking. And it starts off with Iron Man in the first movie. And it eventually goes to the point where, like, can this character who's gone through so much get to the point where he can do one last desperate attempt to fix things? And then bow out. And I think it, as much as it is totally logical, and one of my my magical scenarios at the end is going to be how he survives, but it's totally logical for Iron Man to have survived this and to have done everything perfectly. It is also perfectly logical for him to have done as much as he could and then died in the, in the trial. So I, I think... Let's not get so selfish, not selfish, <laughs> let's not get so greedy that we can think of this as lazy writing, because there is lazy writing out there. And I think this was done with mm -hmm. intent. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think it's a totally valid intent to be like, we need to get rid of our major characters and one of our major actors. 
totally reasonable. They could have done it in a very garbage way, and instead they did it in a way where a lot of people felt, cool, this was good. And just to contextualize my opinion a little bit further, I also thought that Jean Valjean didn't need to die at the end of Les Miserables. Well, there right. right. <laughs> well, right. Co-signed. Gives you an idea. <laughs> Can, uh... As we kind of, I think, uh, we're wrapping up on this topic, can I share a fun little uh, piece of production background for this? Sure. Um, So, as some of you may know, the original line, I am Iron Man, uh, is actually an ad lib. It wasn't originally what was written in the first Iron Man for the end of it. He was going to do something else for the press conference, and Robert Downey Jr. was, what if I just tell him I'm Iron Man? Uh, And obviously, that that played very well, uh, so they did it. Um, In this movie... They'd finished all of principal photography and they were editing the film. And Tony Stark didn't say anything in the moment when he did the snap. Um, they were reviewing the film um, uh, on one of their, their run-throughs takes. And um, they were saying that the moment was missing something. And one of the... <laughs> one of the versions was, damn! <laughs> but one of, the, one of the editors in the edit room looks, looks up at the Rousseau's and the head editor and he goes, he needs to say, I am Iron Man. And they immediately stopped everything they were doing. They apparently picked up the phone (laughs) and called Robert Downey Jr. They brought him into the studio and they reshot that moment so that they could edit it in there. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even, well, his death might have been scripted. It wasn't something, that perfect bookend. Do you know if Thanos had said, I am inevitable beforehand? Thanos had continued to say, I am inevitable. Because if he didn't say that, if the guy's like, he should say, I am Iron Man. And they were like, why? (laughs) No. Why would he say that? (laughs) He's not a Pokemon. Yeah. (laughs) Iron Man, Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Thanos Thanos said, I am inevitable. And they had tried out like a couple of different lines. And then in the the version they had, he didn't say anything. But yeah, they apparently hadn't filmed a take of him saying, I am Iron Man. So they brought him back in to film it. All right. Uh, we, we get our moments to mourn Tony and everybody shows up. Almost everybody shows up in that. It's another action piece with everybody showing up. But before we get on to the morning of Tony, let's go on to Captain America and how he bows out. So again, the, the one time travel MacGuffin that they gave us as a rule was that changing the past doesn't change anything except for the Infinity Gems have to be replaced or else bad things or multiverses might spit out or something. So, of course, Captain America, what does he have to do? He has to go back. He has to take back all the stones, and he's the only person who can do it because you also have to put back Mjolnir, the hammer. That's right. He's the only one who can lift it. Although I would argue about whether they even have to put back the hammer, but I think Captain just likes it now. It's, it's his job now. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much it messes up timelines. I want Captain America... To be with Peggy Carter, I don't care about her other husband, and I happy, love this. happy, happy. That's right. She had, she had another husband? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. This poor guy who found the love of his life mm-hmm. in Peggy Carter, and Captain now first. that love just evaporates because Cap said, you know what? I'm going to get my old flame back. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> We've uh, all been there. What's her first husband's name? Yeah. Well, we don't know, actually. It's, okay. it's just Joe. Uh, so no, we're, we're sure it's not? Steve, Steve the whole or, time? No, or, who knows? Yeah, it could have been. Or maybe they were okay with a polyamorous relationship. It's not, not Steve Rogers. He's <laughs> way too white bread. <laughs> the more I thought about this, and the more I saw arguments on the internet, one argument that came up, people were like, and so Captain's just fine with Bucky being there this whole way, but Captain's just fine with all this. And I'm like, actually, I thought about it, and those two, those two themes really worked really well for me. In a sense, Steve has already fixed these things. 
And he knows that if he goes back in time and he changes things, then the future won't exist, right? Mm -hmm. So he goes back and he can't make those changes because if he does, that's when he won't exist in the future to make the next I Captain think, America. I think there's an interesting element about Cap, uh, Steven, Steve knowing that he shouldn't do too much in there. I'll let that go for that, but I actually think we're stumbling into time travel rules because I arguably, and I don't know well, how it relates, they still said it doesn't cause any effects. So we will deal with this at the end of the podcast where we promised we would talk about time travel shenanigans. Let's talk about the poignancy of Cap retiring this way. So talking about like the selfish nature of Captain America, I yeah, think going is, back and just living his life. Yeah, is super important because that's really what he's been working what he's been working towards the entire time as a character. That's why he and, you know, Tony had such a hard time getting along is cuz Tony had to learn to be selfless and what the right way to do that and he made stumbles along the way, which is what, you know, why he wanted to sign the accords and everything. And Cap had to learn how to be selfish, learn how to go for the things that he wanted in his life cuz his whole life he's been, you know, fighting against that. To he be has been sacrificing for World War II for a hundred years. Exactly. And I really feel like, you know, the, the, the pin on that was that sly smile he gave Sam when he's like, oh, you're going to tell me about that? Pointing to the ring. And he's like, no, that's just for me. Yeah. He doesn't I don't mean, think I will. And that's also to the audience. It's like, I'm not going to address what questions you have right now. Know that the big thing that happened is I sacrifice, I, I sacrificed enough and then I got what I needed to get. I got my happy ending. I, I think that is kind of against who Captain America is. I think that's kind of the point of Steve Rogers, that Steve Rogers being selfish is doing things for the greater good, because that's what he wants. That's always what he's wanted. That's been at the core of who he is. I think we may be stumbling on, I didn't like the word selfish in that description. I think it's a little too Randian for me, like the power of being selfish. I do think being f gentle with yourself, allowing yourself to be happy in a way that isn't just in your work and doing what's right, which is what Captain America usually does, allowing himself to be happy in a different way with the person he loves is a maturing of a character sheet. A character sheet. Yeah, exactly <laughs> what I meant, actually. It's like when you first create role-playing game characters and they're all like grimdark backgrounds and they're like, I got to do the right thing no matter what. You know what you could also do? You could also have a happy life. You could do the right thing and have a happy life, especially if you have the time stone and you can get around away <laughs> with it. I don't know. I don't need to go into the Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> Screw that. Well, you can, but, you know, just make sure you come back with something cool for your uh, spouse. I like, though, that we, we get a little bit of the passing of the mantle, right? So that's one of the major implications oh, of this. yeah, that was cool. We pass on the mantle, you know, of Captain America to Sam Wilson, whether he feels he's earned it or not yet. And a great moment for him to push back a little bit and say, I'm not sure if I earned it because there's a lot of audience members who aren't sure either. Right. Um, you know, and, and potentially we might even get to see some of that. Who knows? We got a lot of uh, Disney shows coming out. I was particularly happy with the way they handled that between him and Bucky. Mm, I agree. Because I, it, it I, I definitely think that Sam would not have taken that shield if he thought for a second that Bucky wanted it. I, I also feel like Bucky was acting weird there at the end, like he knew it was up. Oh, yeah. Cap definitely told him what he, was, had, oh, what he had planned yeah. before he left. <laughs> I mean, he was a little surprised to see him on the bench there, but that, that was the only real moment of like, I have no idea what's going on. I think he was just acting there. I think he knew. Yeah, you tell your Biffles everything. Yeah. Wow. 
Biffles. I don't know what Biffles. that is. <laughs> nice. Is that an Adventure Time <laughs> reference? Probably. But best friends I mean, forever. I don't know. I'm just really happy, though, they didn't kill the character. And, you know, as we said, like, Chris Evans was being coy, and he could very much be old Cap in, you know, like, the the Marvel money aging CGI that they have going on there. Oh, sure. He could yeah, even old be... Cap has been in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the past. Yeah. And, he... and he's gotten young, youngified, too. Yeah, they just repower the uh, the super soldier serum inside of him. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah, and in fact, like, we could, get, we could get Captain America through time. We could get him nomading through time. Right? Just, I'm no longer Captain America for a while. These are all things that have happened in the comic books. In fact, the virtual Tony might be a nod to Tony Stark, who has sort of died in comics, more or less, mm-hmm. uh, and come back as a virtual VI kind of version of himself that also becomes real at some point because comics are amazing. There's a lot of things that o- uh, are kind of ahead of us, but I do want to stop for a moment and just celebrate a movie that did an amazing job of wrapping up so many different years' worth of storylines in a way that... Almost everyone is completely satisfied with, except for all the people on forums talking about the time travel paradoxes and other questions we have unanswered, which we are about to get to on this, the best show ever, non-pro after show. Woo! Um, Also, it was really cool to see proof that Tony has a heart floating on a barge. Yeah, that was was nice. I like that. So let's do a quick roundtable. Things that we didn't like about the movie and maybe things that were left hanging. I think those are probably going to be somewhat similar. Uh, We're going to do this starting with James. Uh, I I thought Captain Marvel was underutilized. I think she was utilized well in the context of the story, but I don't know. I feel a little let down with that. Uh, Best thing had to have been uh, the elevator scene. Uh, Winter Soldier is my favorite movie. The elevator scene is my favorite scene in it. And the way they did the uh, Hell Hydra nod, uh, just perfect. Uh, I would say my major gripe here is the Soulstone Paradox, how we have an issue where Gamora died, but is she dead? And, you know, uh, Black Widow died. And and what happens when you unmake the Soulstone? Who knows what's going on? How does Cap bring it back? Exactly. Does he just chuck it at Red Red Skull and go, you son of a bitch? Were you just making people commit suicide here? Oh, damn. Johan, what are you doing here? I was a janitor. Do you remember that story? And then my favorite thing, which is kind of something I call it, where, like, sure, people died in the movie, but no one's dead. Because, like, you, like, Tony. (laughs) I mean, I was trying to do Emperor Laugh. (laughs) I was going to do the same thing. No one's ever really gone. Well, yeah, no one's ever really gone. But think about it. Like, Tony dies, and then literally the next scene, he's, like, virtual Tony. So, like, you could have Robert Downey Jr. forever as that character in virtual Tony. You, you know, you have old Cap. There's a movie with Black Widow coming out. There's nothing that's really going to stop any of these characters from coming back. Except for the savages of actual time. And hey, if we got Will Smith opposite Will Smith in the movie, who knows? That's really grim. I do not want Disney resurrecting actors. Let me just put that out there. No. All right, Al? Okay, my the thing I liked the least was probably the Star-Lord reuniting with Gamora scene. That hit in a really bad place. Because it was like, it was kind of funny, but it was also like, Hey, um, he lost her. That happened. That was yeah. tragic. And just kind of make a joke at it and her kick him in like the shit. Like, yeah. I was like, come on. That's just mean for it. no reason. I got it. And I was really turned off by it. It really bothered me. Um, I, man, what I liked, uh, like everyone's kind of, we've kind of talked about everything. Yeah. I, that was so much like, I mean, I like that. I let a slow clap to the Hail Hydra scene in, in the theater. That was pretty cool. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> uh, kind of to bounce off that with the whole Gamora and Quill thing. I was dying of laughter when Gamora turns to Nebula's like really him and it's like well it was, <laughs> was him really- or a tree 
<laughs> I love that. That was great. That was great. Um, and then one thing I was kind of, I, along with what Pope said with the soul stone, is just irritating. It's like, well, technically they took it twice, but then if Thanos never ended up taking it because then it wasn't there when he went to take it, how does it work? Is Gamora really dead? Is Natasha really dead? Are they both I'm dead? telling you, Steve says, all right, I'm panning out the soul stone. I get to bring anyone back to life. Hmm, who should it be? Uh, dead Peggy Carter. <laughs> we'll put her in a young hot body. <laughs> then we're going to dance. Then me and alternate Ken- uh, Kenny. Kenny. Kenny Carter. I'm sorry, I'm done. <laughs> so, so, wait, also, Nakia is just... Doesn't exist. Oh, she, she's she girlfriend. This movie. girlfriend. Right. She's yeah, just yeah. not there. She and was uh, too busy in Us. I don't know. I, I, I guess so. Uh, I don't know. She was in Us. So she maybe was in Us. Yeah. It, there was so, a lot of actors in Us. She, got, I don't know. she yeah. got dusted away and Iron Man forgot about her, so didn't remember. Wow. Hulk, Hulk I, know, forgot I never about met her. her. How does this work? Everyone That's forgot awful. about her. Jordy. Oh, man. Uh, obviously, I'm going to just have to chime in for the third time and say, man, I don't know, man, that soul stone thing. Like, it feels it feels like when people oh, die. Oh, it looks to, like we have a lot of problems <laughs> with the soul stone. It feels like when people die to the soul stone, it's not legitimate. I don't care when characters come back generally as long as the impact is still felt in the story, which I felt. Right. But this time, I did. And as for everything I liked, man, I just I just like the whole movie. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm dead. That's it. I love the whole movie. Good job. I've got to have a... <laughs> you know, Happy. I really... Everyone got a chance to undo the mess up that they did last time. I wish Peter Quill did, right? Yeah. He he blames himself just as much as Thor does. Uh-huh. And hey, he held an infinity he held an infinity stone in his bare hand. Maybe he could have worn the glove. Yeah, who knows? Oh God, that would have been all, all so much worse if he snapped his finger. Everything absolutely. Soul rock. They could all be like, oh my, oh, Lou Ferrigno would be the Hulk. It would, everybody would be uh, like seventies versions of those characters for like a sec. Ah, there's so many good ways. Best there's so many endings. extended endings I could do. I'm betting dollars to donuts that those characters are going to deal with it in the upcoming uh, As Guardians of the Galaxy I movie. Think, <laughs> I think they also are going to deal with the Gamora thing and whether or not. Because yeah. honest, I'm not sure if she ever really. Like, the whole loving quill like why him really why not the tree I, that's been my question the entire time so maybe they just the tree was like a little bit like a toddler for oh yeah well, fair. eventually but like not before all right and pete okay i i didn't really have a big problem with the soul stone no good uh my big problem was i desperately want to know what happened to earth in the five years that we miss. Uh, yeah, right. It's so weird. I do not understand what the state of government is. Where is, is Peter going? Is he going to a high school where half the class is five years older than him? And he's like, oh, so well, they'd all be gone. They'd, yeah. they'd all have graduated, wouldn't Would, they? Well, half of them would have graduated. So, And I guess that means that uh, that Ned also uh, dusted. Yeah, either he dusted him, in which case I'm not, I guess there was a battle. He was happy to see him. My uh, my problem is it, that did seem like he had been around for five years and it, been missing Peter for five years. Yeah, it did seem like that. But I guess you could argue that he yeah. was instead just That's really not, happy to see him. My thing is, okay, San Francisco, uh, they have... They have their stuff together enough to build that beautiful memorial garden right. with the, the granite pillars, but they can't organize weekly garbage pickup, apparently. What's That's going on? What, what is the municipal government situation? Also, uh, and they keep going back and forth on Thanos' bad math, but they do say that he killed half the life of in the universe. Yes. They said that specifically in this movie, which not sentient life, life. 
So really, how does that make anything better for anybody? Because that's half the food gone, too. Damn it, Thanos! <laughs> he could, home ec! Take home ec! He could have just made everything twice as big. He could have! He could have! Actually, wonderful thing from um, the actor who plays Thanos. Josh Brolin did a wonderful thing on a late night show where he was talking about Thanos after Infinity War. And he's like, Thanos' problem is a lack of empathy. And I was like, boom. It wasn't a lack of power or smarts. It's that he couldn't think that now that I have all this power, there is a nice way to help people. Like, there's a way that would hurt the least amount of people. He only he could think of was this is what needs to be done, and that blew. And he, and you've got to find this this interview because he compares it up with current political things happening in the United States, and it's like a lack of empathy of what other people suffer through when we, the people with power, don't wield it correctly. And I was like, oh, you were amazing at the Goonies! And I just went crazy. <laughs> I'd argue that wasn't a problem for him. Shut up. It was a problem for everybody else. <laughs> I, I'm also going to I'm glad I said shut up. I will also say that um, one of my weird groibles with the film as well is with this weird Thanos moment where he just all of a sudden decides, like, I'm just going to scrap it all and start over. I'm like, this seems weirdly out of character. Like, I mean, it was well-performed because Roland gives an amazing performance. Like, let's actually... I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. Like, big like Lots in that thing is, is yeah. Thanos just every scene just stealing it, even even though it's not about him anymore. Yeah. Well, we promised time travel shenanigans. We didn't really go into any of that. So what are the problems you people have with the way time travel is defined as working in this fiction? Why? Why is this so much of an issue? The one issue that gives me any problem is what happens when Captain America goes back and lives his life, right? Yeah. That's the one play, uh, jokes about the uh, soul stone and everything, uh, and an alternate dimension or whatever behind. What happens with him? Everything else, they told me. The rules are you can't change the past. Not you shouldn't change the past, but that you cannot change the past. So why all the issues? I've heard two theories that I like thus far. One theory is that that cap um, wound up is not from, is our cap from the, from this universe of the MCU. Universe Prime. Yeah, Universe Prime. And then Not he... Not the right Whatever. We're going to say the Prime, the Prime MCU yeah. universe. Whatever. Yeah. It's Universe 1999. Whatever. I don't know. And then he... He's just jumped from his universe to this one to come in and say hi to Sam. <laughs> like, he's he's found his own uh, universes like uh, scientists and whatever and Quill and Pim Particles. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go jump to this... Back I'm going to say a quick goodbye, hand off a shield, and then... Yeah, I'm going to head back, back just, to so, just, just so they know where I'm at in my life and what's going on with me. And that's who he is. He's not... He, he didn't go back in time in this and huh, change anything. Interesting. So, so that's kind of musical caps, right? Each cap is jumping into another cap's back timeline, influencing caps their timeline the that, that's to the, the other future. one. So, like... Everyone is one timeline removed, jumping into your timeline. Yeah, that's the other theory, is that he, that's not our cap at all. It's a cap from another from another timeline that jumped into ours, because we have caps just rotating back and forth. This feels like a Rick and Morty-less <laughs> level of MCU. And each leap is, brings Cap one leap closer to home? Stop back nope. as an ex-Captain America. I'm just going to leave this out here. One of Peggy Carter's kids cured cancer from her from the original uh, timeline. I feel like huh. I feel like the closed off timeline. If we're still in this, and Steve is on that bench, then Steve had to have been the person who she married in Winter. We hear about we hear she married in Winter Soldier because they don't say late husband; they just say, "Oh, my husband, who I married." And yeah, what? 
He kissed Sharon. I mean, that's weird. Yes, it is. I, which was my most hated scene well, in my she's favorite only movie. Her, she's only Peggy's niece, though. So she wouldn't have been Steve's blood. I, this anyway. is getting Game of Thronesy. So yeah, <laughs> he wouldn't have known that first off, and second off, again, like we again, I think they, I think they planned this the whole time, kind of in a way. They're like, okay, well, we're gonna make it very ambiguous about the husband. Oh, we're sure. never gonna see him. We're never gonna. I'm like, not gonna answer. Oh, I don't know about that far back. You think they planned it from that far back? In Winter Soldier, yeah. absolutely, I think absolutely. I, I, I definitely think that they. I, I definitely think they wanted to leave a door open. Uh, that maybe they didn't say, okay, we know we're gonna do this. We're just gonna say, oh, generic husband that she married, mm-hmm. who was rescued by Cap. I think we've all had that. Don't really with the love of your life, marry somebody generic. Oh! <laughs> well, they were thinking. They were thinking it could be Sosa if the if the uh, Agent Carter show continued, because oh. at the end of that, uh, at, at the end where it was canceled, they were getting romantic. Yeah, but Sosa wasn't rescued by Cap, and in Winter Soldier, they specifically said that it was a soldier who had been hmm. rescued by Captain America. Yeah, Do we know a, Sosa was never rescued? Yes, well, he, I, he, he never yeah, said. I, so one hundred percent. One that. of the things I want to step into here is like we. It's one thing to try to postulate what could have happened, but also if we're if we're not even using the source material at all, anything could have happened theoretically. Multi version, multiple dimensional versions of Captain America is interesting. Personally, I just like the fact that he retired. He went back in time and retired. And why didn't he change the world? It's a factor of the you can't change it. And when a movie sets up fiction, like the fiction that time travel exists, or gamma radiation turns you into a giant green monster, I don't sit there going, that's not how gamma radiation works. I don't think like that's not time travel. You could always change the past, it'll make ripples. I just like, all right, whatever, until they make another movie which says, well, there are consequences to going back in time and dancing with your loved ones. Then I'll be like, all right, cool. I will watch Captain America dance off. <laughs> there's well, a, I want to see that movie so bad. There's a great so moment. Patriotic. Cap versus Quill. <laughs> oh, versus Ronan. Yeah. What if there's a scene Ronan. where Quill is dancing with Peggy Carter? What do you people think? Go. Oh, no. Interesting. But anyway, no, right, abort mission. as I was saying, there's a very interesting... Um, take in one of the behind the scenes features for Lord of the Rings film where they talk about uh, All right. <laughs> we're getting deep into it settle in where they talk about a three hour podcast here we come where they talk about Golem falling into uh, Mount Doom and how like this so, like well we wanted to show him like dying and like how it would yeah and we wanted to visually just give him a send off even though he would have like cindered up yeah before. there's something like this doesn't makes this doesn't make actual sense, but it makes sense poetically. Right. Like, it is, we, we're asking the audience, like, yes, we all know that lava would have burned him yeah. before he actually hit it. Like, that's not how melting works. That's what I think about this. I really do. That, that yeah. last moment is, it's poetic. It makes sense. And they do enough to address it in the movie. I'm not going to talk about my wedding ring. Uh, going back in time doesn't affect anything, so don't have long internet arguments about how bad Captain America is for being selfish and going back and doing stuff. You don't need to do that. Post-war they, they, suburbia is lava. Yeah, and, uh, and exactly. Post-war exactly. suburbia is lava. They address as much of it as possible. So here's another one. I'll throw this out just because I want this to go on as long as possible. The Tesseract. And Loki, what is that all about? TV we've got show. A, I've got, we've got a TV show that's going to tell us Yes. I, I'm not even curious yet. I am super excited about this. Why are people, people are Look. upset about it. And I get it. I get it. It feels weird. Tom Hiddleston couldn't be dead. We're going to have, we're going to have our handful of permanent deaths from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But you know who wasn't going to be one of those? Tom F. and Hiddleston, man. Yeah. He is anything but, as I heard at the first Comic-Con I saw him at, Loki. <laughs> eh? No, that's... did he do that? I'll, no, no. Uh, people oh, in the audience did that. I get it. <laughs> so 
But yeah, no, we're going to get a Disney Plus show. We're going to get quite a few Disney Plus shows, I, actually. I love how they did this. So in the comics, Loki has an issue with dying. He dies and comes back occasionally. That's his thing. And I like, not only is it just, oh, it's an illusion and I'm not really dead. Quite often, it's he dies and then comes back and has to deal with the, the idea of being a god that's being reborn and the identity crisis of who he is. Loki the villain or Loki the kind of hero I, i've always enjoyed uh a, it's a more recent take on the character but the fact that he, loki is more than just a god he's a story yes and loki is too interesting a story to stay dead yeah mm. yeah i i love it and i love that there is just enough like they said change in the past is an effective future so i'm not worried about whether or not you know, Thor 2 happens. What is it? No, there was some Three, movie. Was it was Ragnarok would happen or whatever the consequences of Avengers, of, of, of Loki not being arrested at the end of Avengers and going back to Asgard. I'm not worried about that because the movie, again, establishing the fictional rules in this universe of time travel, because it's not real. Sorry, theoretical physicists. It's not real enough <laughs> where we could be making internet arguments of what is right. Uh, according to Rhodey's hot tub time machine, <laughs> like it does not change the past. So whatever happened there happened in that situation. I don't know if there's an alternate reality where Loki makes it out necessarily, but the only like caveat there, Tesseract might mess things up enough where we could get a Disney Plus series from that. And that is totally comic book. That is totally comic book. I have a nitpick that time travel gave us that's a positive. Oh, this is our first instance of the television series being canonized. You're right. In upward movement. You're right. Jarvis is with Howard Stark, the mm, actor right. who played Jarvis in Peggy Carter. First so by extension, character. the crossovers that Peggy Carter had with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. makes at least those two series really existing inside the Marvel Cinematic Universe canon. So are we undoing the fact that they really didn't want Coulson to actually be back and he's actually back now? Yes, I think so. I think Josh mm. Whedon not wanting Coulson back does not mean anything anymore. Yeah, it was Anything just... any creator says off mic, off film, I don't think matters enough. And many of the things they do on camera don't matter because comics, they could undo it, it's fine. I still think it's want. important that he didn't show up in, in front of the Avengers. It would be difficult because, to explain. Yeah, they, they, that would have ticked them off something fierce that they've yeah. been lied to this sure. whole time. Especially Tony. Yeah, it, it's getting a little old now to do it, although if they did it and he was like, of course I knew. I found out at this time, and then they had like a deleted scene in, in Endgame where he, he goes back in time and he sees Colson, he tries to save him. He's like, wait a minute. Why am I even... A, how could I save you? You're alive right now? You son of a bitch! <laughs> and then he's the one who takes out Fury's eye. I don't know. This is getting... sense that Tony did Tahiti. Hey, there's still time. There's there's all sorts of ways. All the things, as Pope said, can be undone that were done in this movie. They may or may not happen because of the real world consequences. And also, I mean, let's let's talk about the biggest Marvel property of all time, Spider Man. To say that we don't know what we're willing to accept. It's one thing to say virtual uh, Robert Downey Jr. would be fine for a while or resurrected AI Robert Downey Jr. would be fine for a while. But will there be a future where new actor playing playing Iron Man will be acceptable? I don't know. We might need that. Who's that guy who plays Amazing Spider-Man? 
what was his name? That Andrew Garfield. Jim, Andrew, yeah. Andrew Garfield, who <laughs> I'm not Garfield. saying was a horrible person, but like he was maybe a necessary sorbet. He's the Val Kilmer Batman that makes people go like, <laughs> uh, we can ex- well, do we really accept the next guy? I'm not sure. All right, maybe not. Tony Whatever. Lazenby. The Tony Lazenby. That's the the, the classic. Uh, well, Tony Stark slash George. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The classic way of referring to it. Yes, the the sorbet that allows us to have yet another person play this role in maybe twenty years. Who knows? Where do we think it goes from here? This is the first Marvel Cinematic Universe movie without a post-credit scene. That was the saddest thing for me. Almost, I think that may have been sadder than anything else. I was like, "Oh, you're not even gonna? Are you just quitting? Are you closing up? Stop saying it's the end." <laughs> I, I was just saying, like, uh, having that happen, it, there was nothing to really pump me up for going to see Spider-Man. Like, I, I was hoping that something would lead into that because, really, all all of those scenes are like the yeah, I want to see the next one. Yeah, I want to see the next one. Yeah. yeah, Avengers after Iron Man. You know, something to really drag me back in because I am I am plateaued after this movie. I'm going to go see Spider-Man, but something in me just like plateaued with excitement it's going to be a while till i'm able to really evoke it all i i would argue that pretty much everything from uh tony's funeral on was the end credit scenes oh they just put them before the credits Mm, mm, interesting i hope that whatever the spoiler buffer time is for this to, to to expire and Marvel feels confident enough to release the titles of some of these movies coming out because I want to get back on the ride. Well, we've got a good number. Just like three. As Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I hope that becomes an actual thing. I hope uh, they actually No, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy three, 3 is coming out, and th- we've yet to see a Marvel movie where they're like, these are the characters that are going to be in the movie, and then one of them's just not there. I'm pretty sure we are going to see like, I, the char- like, yeah, I just Thor don't know. in there. You think we'll see Thor in it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm we have never seen a film yet where they've been like, here's everyone on a ship. They're not there anymore. Like, they went so far as to kill somebody in the first five minutes in order to keep that continuity. Well, that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the first five minutes. They're like, we can't stand Thor anymore because he's still Lebowski Thor. And they kick him out. We can't keep doing this. Like, Ragnarok was the perfect tie of, like, power for Thor, but also funny. We can't just keep making him a, a, a gag. I'm scared he's going to get the pull-up scene that we were talking about before. I really hope he doesn't. I hope he like. I hope we see him like genuinely like. Uh, I got to get back in shape. I got to go fight things again. Or stays fat. I'm cool with that. I like Fat Thor a lot, actually. I uh, I don't know. I think a movie between the two could yeah. Depending on how much time. Yeah, yeah. but I, but I also say like I I think I can feel that that hype again that uh, Pope was talking about. But I want them to build it all up again. I need them to start from like the ground and start pushing. Like I know, wow. no, I think I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think having an Avengers, like just a regular Avengers, like let's have Black Panther and Captain Marvel and like you know Spider Man and a few other guys, like a few other new guys and Scarlet Witch, kind of show up and have an Avengers movie. I think that's okay, and they just fight one big bad, and then we build up to like Galactus, you know? Mm. Okay, in ten years, I'm calling this now. Uh, Peter, grown-up Spider-Man is going to teach Morgan how to be the next Iron Man. Uh, oh. So I'm going to say that's, I'm just calling that now, and I want you all to give me credit for it. Okay. Nice. I was excited for the uh, Captain Britain tease. <gasps> what? 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 Peggy yeah. Carter mentions Captain Britain's actual name, Agent uh, whatever. Braddock? Uh, yeah, Agent Braddock. Has anyone heard from Agent Braddock when she's talking? Oh, when, interesting. When Cap's listening to, Good. listening to her? She goes, has anyone heard from Agent Braddock? Agent Braddock hasn't checked in in a while. Oh, James mm. gave me a, a slim of hope. I don't want them building over from the beginning. I think it's, this is 
unprecedented. I think it is unprecedented, right? We've never had like the closest that ever closest is Phantom Menace, is Star um, Wars, and Force uh, and Force Awakens, when like a big series comes back and and just the power of the fandom alone brings people to the theaters. Yeah, I don't. But not even the, in these numbers. This is already bigger than yeah. Star Wars, and certainly not this consistency. I mean, it's the fact that they've been gone for so many years that made those two movies such an interesting thing. So I hope that they find a way to bring the success for that comic book audiences and fans have experienced reading comic books, this this rich world where you, maybe you don't get an event comic series every year because those are tedious, but like it always builds on each other forever where you're just a fan of comics. You could be a fan of comic book movies. I hope they always somehow link together in a way that's useful and fun and enjoyable. So I'm assuming everybody's really excited for the Eternals. Fair yeah, the enough. Eternals in the comic books were essentially Thanos's family. Oh, they were oh his so Star race. Fox. They, yeah, Star Fox. Okay, I Master forgot. Icarus. That could be interesting. I mean that that's what we're getting. That's the next big one that they've announced that I believe is starting filming. We've a couple of we've a couple of movies on the slate, right? So we've got Black Widow, we've got Guardians Three, we've got Eternals, we've got um, Doctor one, Strange Two, Black yeah. Panther Two. There was um, an Asian hero. Oh yeah, uh, Shang Chi. Shang Chi, um, Master of Kung Fu. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that they're developing. We just don't know what it officially looks like yet. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I don't know I'm, how they get to. Get, this is going to be a lot tougher to figure out how these all weave together because mm. they're very different. And I, I'm a little upset that we didn't get the uh, great Fox you know, Disney uh, merger happening on screen. Yeah, but, Fantastic Four showing up and everything else. But you know what? Great. All right, so I promised everyone this. This is how I would have ended it. There's there's two little things I want to add, all right, just to wrap this up. One, when uh, Captain America doesn't show up at the end, right, and for that split second where you think he's going to show up, and then Bucky sees somebody over in the corner, I my hope... I'm a relentless optimist. What I was hoping that Captain America would have showed up with Iron Man, with some time displaced Iron Man. But when he wasn't dead, he yoinks him at a time. He's like, "No, we're not losing anyone this time around. It's fine. No, nothing, nothing in the past affects the past. This is okay." And all the other scientists going. I guess technically, (laughs) and And forget Gamora and Black Widow. Yeah, well, I was picturing him, and also because Gamora is technically still, or they they did did bring Gamora, kind of. They did literally that with Gamora and Black Widow. Again, that whole movie, I'm like, it's going to be search for Black Widow. It's going to be search for Spock, but with Black Widow, it won't be. But I'm I'm relatively confident they're going to do something with it. Uh, But whatever. At that moment, that's what I pictured for a split second. I was like. I would be okay with this. People would complain. This lacks um, uh, like stakes. You're you're removing stakes from characters who have emotional impact. I would say I don't care. My real life <laughs> has stakes. I'm sick of stakes. If you want stakes, bring Wesley Snipes back. Blade in the movies. Screw all of you. <laughs> What's your second thing, Frank? My second thing. Right? Picture it. So... The gauntlet is moving all around the battlefield. It goes everywhere. It goes left, right. We don't know what happens. Eventually, Iron Man tackles it away from from Thanos. He gets the gems. We, we don't know what's going to happen. He stands there, and Iron Man's got his, the gauntlet on. He's about to snap his fingers, and he's Loki. Uh, 
Oh, that would have been cool. Oh. And he goes like, uh-uh. and he snaps his fingers, and we don't know what the hell he does. <laughs> Movie fades to black. Thanos, maybe Thanos and his people go disappear, or maybe all the the mooks go away, all the the monsters go away, and Thanos is like, oh no. <laughs> and everybody just is just a little bit like. This is maybe worse. <laughs> I would love to see that. Love it. And then Loki follows up with the line from the first movie: "You'll never be a god." Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just pay me, Marvel. I could, I that, could pitch these I'm, things. I'm at not you. gonna lie. I probably would have cheered in the theater. I, I would have been like, have <laughs> lost. There isn't a single person who would have complained. <laughs> as much as people like, there are people who would be like, oh, the stakes of, you know, undoing a death is really tragic. But if it were Tom Hiddleston and he were like, yoink, and he snapped his fingers, and you see him make a stupid noise and snap his fingers, everyone would be like, Oscars would be thrown at the screen. As as, every actor who's ever earned an Oscar would just be chucking at him at the streets. Wonderful. Yeah. 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 All right, I'll give it to you, Frank. That's, I would have liked it. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.